Hello everyone and welcome to episode 7 of the Butchers, the Bakers and the Candlestick Makers with uh, me, Dave Coulthard. Uh, and thanks of course for everyone who listened to the previous episode with uh, Tommy Miller and indeed all the other previous episodes which you can find on Anchor, Spotify and all the various other platforms. Um, just before I get into introducing uh, today's guest, uh, just a quick thank you as always to me sponsors, Commercially United, who are going from strength to strength at the moment. And um, they've recently been working with the Scottish Premier League club as well as the host and non-league clubs already on their books. So if anyone out there is listening and their club needs setting up with some commercial deals, you can check them out at commerciallyunited.com. Um, okay, so time to introduce my guest this evening. Um, it's a UEFA B licensed coach who does work full time in football with the Foundation of Light. And like me, he's also tried his hand at uh, writing about the game and podcasting as well. It's uh, Scott Noble. So, Scott, thanks very much for joining us. How are you? That's bad, Dave. Thanks very much for having us on. Appreciate it. Good, absolute, absolute pleasure. So, um, obviously, um, this is going to be a bit of a strange one, I think, for for, for both of us. So, uh, people listening might not be aware, but um, I've actually appeared as a guest on on your podcast, Ninetieth Minute Winner, as well. So, um, a little bit of a a role reversal for this one. So, it might seem a little bit uh, strange after we uh, recorded the other one back in in April. Um, so, I think it'll be a little bit strange for both of us. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> certainly will um, and obviously in addition to that um, again not everybody listening will be aware but I know and we'll come on to this in due course but um, last season I actually wrote for your Northeast Football Reports platform um, on, yeah. on Twitter last year um, so despite the fact we've we've probably known each other virtually for over a year now but yet never actually met in person so it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit of a strange one but um, they're the kind of times that we're living in um, so just before we get into things, um, I guess how has lockdown been generally for you? It's obviously been a bit of a difficult time for everybody, I guess. Yeah, it's it's not been too bad to be fair. Um, I think what's probably helped is the fact that my partner likes to go on walks, so yeah. I pretty much sent her sent her out for a good hour or two during the day, um, <laughs> yeah. and it gave me time to sit and sit and watch telly and crack yeah. with a little bit of planning for work really. So um, yeah. I know you know it's been tough. It's been been difficult and obviously I'm back to work this week so yeah um in terms of the alarm that's not been that, that's not been very welcome but um <laughs> well, apart from that it's it's been it's been okay obviously you know it's been tough not seeing the family but yeah you know we're, we're, we're getting there I think so yeah not, not yeah, hopefully a little bit of normality um, resuming. Um, so um, I'm going to start things off, Scott, um, and I hope you haven't copyrighted this format or this question or you could end up suing us after this this podcast. But I'm, I'm going to turn your own question back on you. I know you like to open your podcast up. We're getting your guests to kind of talk talk you through their coaching journey. So I'm, I'm going to start with the same question to you. Can you just talk us through your, your coaching journey in the game? Yeah, also... I always have a little bit of a giggle when I when I talk about this because in terms of coaching when I first started coaching it was it was kind of an accident because I was in Gateshead College and I did my level one which was was part of the course and there was an opportunity to stay for a second year to do sorry third year to do a level two in coaching yeah. and yeah. the only reason I stayed at college was because I basically had nothing else to do um, yeah. after I left so I thought well it's you know. It, it keeps me in some sort of routine, so I'll stay and do the course. And only after I did the course did I find out that that was, you know, level two in coaching football. I just thought it was an extra qualification. I don't know what I did at college. So yeah, after the after the level two, the tutor said, "Well, 
you know, you can move on to your UEFA B and you can do your UEFA A and your pro license and stuff, but obviously, in, you know, in, in due course. Yeah. Um, well, I left college. Um, when I was doing level two, I actually had to, had to be part of a team. So the tutor I was involved with said, you know, try and get involved with a local team, which I did, which was yeah. Golden Colts Vipers. Um, so I was 19, 20 year old when I first got involved with them. Yeah. Um, I was probably involved with them for a good eight, nine years. Um, give or take, I, I think I took a year out um, just to have a little break from it. But I, eight, nine years, I, I was involved with them. And to be honest with you, it was probably a, it was a huge part of my life because, you know, again, you had yourself in the routine of a Thursday night train and a Saturday morning games. Yeah. And for for that, that many years, it was just, that was my life. It was almost like a second job. But, you know, when you work two hours a week, so yeah. did that for good good eight, nine years. Um it was a it was a good opportunity for me to, to learn about how to engage with kids, how to engage with parents, because you know, as as a lot of people know who listen to the podcast and coach kids, like parents yeah. are massively important if you get them on board on on board pretty early. Yeah. You're on so it was a great opportunity for me to, to develop players but develop people as well. So that was that was great. I uh, had a lot of success with that. Uh, we won, you know, I, I don't like talking about this too much because you know they're already young lads, but we we did win, win a few leagues and we went to Manchester a few a few times, won a few tournaments. Um, we went to the Olympics in 2012 as well, which was a great experience. Uh, we played against QPR Academy, so again, it, it's all all memories yeah. for the lads who, who obviously involved in the team, and then a few, most of the lads who actually left the pro um, left the team went on the scholarship programs in the in the northeast. So that was a you know that was a massive success for us as a, as a team and as coaching staff to say you know the lads are good enough to go into the, these programmes. So that was brilliant. Um, Hartlepool Academy as well I was involved in. So I was probably only there for about a year and a half. Um, you know, travel obviously dictated a lot in terms of me staying there. So, but again, that was, it was a, a different experience for me working in academy football. Um, yeah. You know, only cut three at the time. So in terms of staff, in terms of facilities, it wasn't, it wasn't your Sunderland's, it wasn't your Newcastle, but it was a really good environment. And, Again, the parents were nice. Parents were great. The kids were great. I think the kids just wanted to play football, and most were from the local area, so they, they loved wearing the Hartlepool United badge. Yeah. Um, against teams, Scunthorpe, Grimsby. So again, that was that was a, a really good taste of academy football for me. So, so that was that was a good experience. Um, as part of my role at the foundation, I've also been in charge of the South Tyneside District Under Eleven team, which was, again, it was only a year, but I would probably say that was in terms of roles. That was probably my favourite role. Uh, yeah. I work, you know, if you if you take aside the current role I've got, but it was brilliant. You know, you could mould the team into whatever you wanted. You work with good players because it's district, so you had a, a lot of academy players, but you had a lot of grassroots players who were talented as well. Yeah. Um, and that was it. That was probably the first the first role I had where I really felt like I, I was leading something and I was taking charge of something. And don't get us wrong, it, it's happened in the in the uh, near near past where haven't necessarily hasn't necessarily went well. Yeah. But that one I would say I picked that one out to say that was that was a hugely successful year for me personally and I massively enjoyed it. Um and then I moved on to Burtley. So Burtley Town who at the time I was doing my B license at the time. So I was still involved with the bowling team but the problem with the bowling team was I was only you know we weren't getting many training so yeah with the course I had to do you had to pretty much work with you know at least I would say 18 players per training session, so we didn't even have that many in the squad. So yeah, made a decision. 
that I wanted to move into men's football. Um, yeah. In Burtley Town, I've got to thank Jamie Wright for this because he's also my gaffer at work, but he pointed me in the direction of Burtley Town and the manager at Burtley was Paul Beat. It still yeah. is Paul Beat, actually. And he, he got in touch and said, you know, you know, you're more than welcome to come along, say what you think, and hopefully it works for us as well. And first session, I remember, I was absolutely, um, you know what, uh, in the car, massively out of the comfort zone. Um, but I'm so glad I did it. It was a massive, valuable experience. A couple of players I'd, I'd like to thank as well. So Charlie Watson, especially, uh, still taught him to this day on Twitter. Um, lovely lad, um, and he made me feel welcome from day one. Actually, yeah. so without, I think without him and without other players, I don't think I would have been able to fit in so quickly. Um, and I think we'll come onto this later on, but you know, you don't realise how how much of a shock to the system it is when you work with kids. You've worked with kids your whole life to then go and work with adults. Um, there's such a huge difference in it. Um, yeah, in terms of conversations in terms of all that. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was actually going to ask you on that point as well because I think you know, obviously, having worked kind of within the foundation of Lai, the the academy at Hartlepool and, and with the various other um, kids teams as well. Yeah. How how do you how do you think it differs when you're working with um, say a group like at Burtley Town? Do you think you have to massively adapt your style to that, or are a lot of the kind of principles of coaching pretty much the same depending on uh, you know the group that you're working with? Yeah, I think I think now that the position I'm in, because I've done it, I would I feel a lot more comfortable when I'm talking to. It sounds a bit silly, this, but when I'm talking to adults about yeah. football, um, before I went in, it was it was kind of like you know you, you kind of stand back and you take it in and you you understand how how people work. So who are the ones you can maybe have a conversation with on the pitch? Who are the ones you maybe need to talk to individually? Um, who are the characters in the team? Who you know who who are you maybe not going to clash with, but who do you maybe need to just be a little bit more professional with? Um, so that that was a massive, massive uh, learning curve for me. But with kids, I think the one thing I've learned with kids is as long as you've got a personality, you can pretty much, they can be sold in minutes yeah. in terms of, you know, connecting with you. You know, it, it could be a nickname. It could be, you know, something you do in the session, you know, acting like a bit of a clown. I think kids, yeah. kids jump on that. Whereas adults, you need to build, Build those relationships over time, and and I think that's probably one the biggest mistake. One of the bigger mistakes I made earlier is that I tried to go in there early doors and build relationships with people who maybe weren't comfortable with me initially, which is understandable because they didn't know who I was and didn't know how I worked. So yeah. I've had to had to adapt my style slightly. But in terms of my personality, my personality didn't change. I, you know, I, I want good energy in training. I want people to work hard, and that didn't necessarily change. Um, but you know, with tone and attitude had to, had to be different, obviously, because with the kids, your, your tone's got to be higher. Um, you've got to be. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say you've got to change in terms of how much you speak, but it's the things you say you've got to change. You've got to be very careful about what you say to adults because, you know, as much as I might get wrong for this, with kids you can get away with a lot. Yeah. In terms of what you say, um, you know, because a lot of kids I used to work with didn't really understand the game tactically or anything, so you could sort yeah. of get away with it. Whereas adults can't really get away with it you've got to be on the ball every single thing you say because they'll, they'll come back to bite you in the backside if you don't if you say something that doesn't make any sense they'll come back to you within minutes and say well you've just told us to do this and actually you contradict yourself and you're now changing it so yeah they'll, they'll be sharp enough to, to jump on you um yeah there's, there's a lot of differences but there's a lot of similarities as well so um, yeah enjoy enjoy both and but right, Burnley Town especially is it's a club I'd love to go back to one day in some capacity yeah um 
such a such a great club to be part of. Um, family family atmosphere, I'd say for for a northern league club to say that's a bit strange, but yeah, I absolutely loved it there, and like I said, I'd love to go back there one day. Yeah, um, I know I went there for a game last season and uh, very much enjoyed my visit there. It was a you know, good, good set-up. Uh, I, th- I think you know, because I wrote the report for your site, the, the got beat 13-0 that day, so hopefully if I go back again, they'll fare a little bit better than that. But uh, it, it, it is a good good setup there. Um, yeah. So just going back there, so obviously, you, you know, you started off, you, you said you almost accidentally fell into coaching. You've started off and, and getting a little bit of experience um, in, a, in a kind of part-time capacity um, and, and then you've then kind of plunged into doing it on a, on a, on a more regular basis as, as kind of almost like the day job type thing. At, at what point did you kind of sit down and think, actually, do you know what, I really want to, you know, give this a go full-time? Was, was there ever a kind of light bulb moment where you thought this is what I want to do for the career or, or was it always a case of you wanting to go in that from the, from the day you left college? Um, I would say yes, yeah, from college, to be honest, because when I was younger, there was... You know, as a kid, you, your first choice as a as a as me, as especially a lot of lads in my in my class was you want to be a footballer as your first yeah. job, and yeah. second job was actually a, being a football coach. But yeah. you know, as a kid, you don't really understand what that entails in terms of what courses you've got to go through, how hard you've got to work to get a full time mm-hmm. job, and you kind of expect it to to come to you, but without realizing how hard you've got to work. So yeah, uh, I would say from college, as soon as I like I said before, as soon as I clicked on that, you know, I'd passed me level two, and this is. You know, there's a possibility of me getting a career. Um, I would say that was probably probably the moment when I realised and said, right, I want to really make a go of this. I mean, before I worked with the foundation, I worked for a local company. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I wasn't getting a, a lot of money at all. Yeah. But it was something that keep us ticking over. It was something that kept me foot in the door almost with coaching. Um, yeah. I do a lot of schools. I do a lot of um, holiday courses. But ultimately, you know, the aim was to try and get into coaching full time. And luckily, yeah. uh, last year, um, with a scholarship program, I, I managed to get get into that position, and obviously continue to do that. Um, continue to do that now. Excellent. Um, and you've mentioned um, obviously during your time at, at Burnley Town that kind of coincided with when you were doing your UEFA B license. So, can, can you kind of talk us through what um, obviously at a, a kind of high level, like what what did the B license actually involve? Yes, well, I originally did the B license in 2013, actually, and I'm not ashamed to say that I wasn't even ready for it. Um, it was the same year I started at the foundation, actually. Um, so it was a bit strange for me. I didn't know anybody on the course from from the foundation. So, it, again, I'll be comfort zone. And it's changed a little bit since then. It's it's more regionalised now, whereas when I did it in 2013, it was more a national course. Um, yeah. And I was there was days I used to go I'd go home and I'd think like ah, this is just not for me like but yeah but you know I've paid the money I, I'm on the course and I'm in the fortunate position that I'm on the course and I'll give it a go but I, I didn't pass and you know you had you've got a couple of years to to go again if you want to get assessed again and it, for yeah. some reason it just didn't work um so I got the 2017 I believe and I applied again because I knew the course had changed slightly just speaking to people and. Um, people who I work with as well and I thought I'll give it a go I like you know I feel like I'm ready to go again and it was it was hugely enjoyable uh, because of the people on the course because of the tutors um probably mentioned a little bit later Rich Shuffleton who was my tutor on the course who I'll be forever thankful for because he, he was hugely helpful with me um it was subtle subtle messages to me to help me out um every training session every training session he came to and he'd make comments about you know the progress I'd made and that was massively humbling to hear that I've actually made progress on the course as well. Yeah. Um, 
the difference was that you had to do a project so it was i think you can't remember now exactly how many pages you had to do but you had to do a preview on every position on the pitch you had to do uh, 12 sessions you had to do 12 games um in terms of how you've managed to transfer training the games as well so the workload was, was quite big quite heavy um but it's one of them where you look at it and you go well you know this is what i want to do in the future so yeah. I can't possibly be complaining about the workload um <laughs> and it's massively helped my development and coaching as well so yeah i think with Bertley and with the b license i mean i wouldn't be where i am now it's working with the scholars yeah. there's no doubt about it but that experience that year of coaching has been probably the most um valuable in terms of my development yeah, and um, I know it clearly hasn't put you off because I know that you've um, you, you've recently kind of had a bit of interest in, in doing the A license. I think um, you had Greg Patterson from the Scottish FA on your, yeah. on your podcast recently, um, and I know that that's a, an avenue you're looking to go down. So um, I, I guess how how's that kind of process going? And if you are ultimately successful and you get to do that, do you know what to kind of expect from the A license? Is it you know a massive step up from the B license? Is it very different in terms of what you need to do yeah i mean with the ear license um there'll be probably be a few people who i know who listen to this podcast and go really like he wants to do the ear license like is he really good enough to get on the ear license but the way i see it is in coaching i think it's very it's a lot easier to criticize than praise yeah um, so i think you know i just let it pass us by now i think it's it's more white noise than anything else now so yeah um i applied I think it was based on the fact that there was a lot of people, there's a lot of people from the Northeast on the course at the moment. A lot of people I spoke to about it and yeah. it came as a bit of a surprise as to, this is absolutely no disrespect to the people that are on the course. It came as a surprise to see what, how they got on the course, mm. simply because of the fact that with the Scottish FA and other FAs as well, they only used to allow 10% of non-coaches not from that country, but it's yeah. changed James in June, so basically they don't have anybody they want now. Yeah. So I think a lot of people have recognised that and went, well, you know, in terms of cost, it is a lot cheaper than the English FA, and yeah. travel-wise, it probably is is about the same anyway to St George's yeah. Park. So we'll go yeah. for it. So I initially was going to do it next year because I uh, applied for a degree. Yeah. But then I took stock and I had a bit of reflection. I spoke to my partner about, it and she said, "Well, you know, what do you want to get out of life? What do you want to do in your career?" And I said. I want to be the best coach I can. So she said, well, why don't you just do the A licensing? I said, you know what it is? You're absolutely right. So I applied for that. Um, the deadline's the end of August. Um, it's one of those situations where if I get on it, I'm absolutely over the moon. It's it's brilliant. It's fantastic. I'll embrace the course and I'll work as hard as I can. If I don't get on the course, I'm not going to, you know, it's not, I'm not going to be put off by anything. Like I'm still going to yeah. work as hard as I can in my coaching career and hopefully go again, go again the year after. But I mean, if you if you told me five years ago I'd be on an A license when I was thirty years old, I'd yeah. be just laughing you through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a massive, oh, yeah. massive, um, massive pride thing for me. Really, it's not people might think it's big headed, but it's just pride. To be honest, it's massive, massive pride there for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, I know, I know. When I was a, a kid, me nana always used to say it was uh, shy bands getting out. You know, if you if you don't ask the question, yeah. so you know, you sometimes just got to stick your neck out there and, and show that ambition. And uh, you know, hopefully, it comes off for you. And uh, especially if it, you know, if it's what you want to do long term, you've you know got the rest of your career ahead of you. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, it all works out. Um, just just on that. Um, so so obviously. Um, let's assume that we fast forward in time and let's just say that you are successful and you get your A license under your belt. Um, 
what would you see yourself doing um, in, in coaching in the future? I know you've spoken um, on your podcasts, um, I think the one with Greg and, and on others around kind of areas of specialism. I know you've worked with kids, you've worked with adults. Um, I know there's kind of more specialist area of coaching now. Have you got kind of anything in mind that you would see yourself doing from a coaching capacity or are you, are you fairly kind of open minded about the future at the moment? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I've, I've thought about this in the past and I've probably made, I wouldn't say it was, it was a mistake, but a lot of people make five-year plans, don't they? Like, bugger yeah. lists and I want to do this by the time I'm 18. That's probably not the right thing to do because you never know what's around the corner. Um, yeah. So, ultimately, the aim is to try, and, I think this season especially, a lot of it depends on the air licence. Yeah. Um, if I get on the air licence, then, you know, a lot, a lot of my time is going to be taken up by that. So, the aim is to, you know, work as hard as I possibly can in the day job, um, you know, help the players that are there, help, you know, get some help off the coaches as well, and as well as help them as well. So, but ultimately the aim is to try and get back into senior men's football. Um, yeah. um, if you count this season as now, next season, um, whether it be Burnley, whether it be at another club, you know, ultimately I've got to make sure what's it's right for me. Um, yeah. The club that, that I'm with has got to make sure it's right for them as well. So, and then just keep climbing the ladder as much as I possibly can. Um, I think the one thing that's probably not really helped me, and it's my fault, is that I haven't stayed with a club for long enough to really develop more um, yeah. of my coaching abilities. You know, I stayed with Burley for about a year and a half. I've, apart from the Bolton team, I've, I've only really dipped in and out for a year and a half, two years, to be honest. So um, I think the next move I make in coaching, in terms of senior men's football, I'd like to stay there for a good number of years and, yeah. Build a good rapport with the players, um, establish a good philosophy alongside the manager. Um, but I think one thing's clear I, I don't think I'll be a manager for a long time. I think coaching is the way forward for me. Yeah, excellent. Um, well, hopefully that all works out for you and um, obviously best of luck with your application on the um, on the air license and uh, hopefully that's some uh, good news for you soon. Um, so let's move on a little bit and talk about um, writing and podcasting, which, which, as you know, is something I'm very passionate about. Um, yep. So clearly from your point of view, you know, coaching is your kind of bread and butter. That, that's what you do for your day job. But last summer, you obviously took the decision to set up the Northeast Football Reports um, platform. You had a website, a Twitter page, uh, very quickly amassed kind of three, four hundred plus followers. Um, what were your kind of motives behind setting that up? What was what was it that made you kind of think, yeah, I'm going to give writing a bit of a go? Yeah, it was, it was kind of to help my, with my coaching, if, if that makes sense, to be honest, because yeah. I think when you're coaching sometimes, and especially when you're in a game, I think you get a little bit too embroiled in what's, ha what's happening. You don't really get an opportunity to, to look at the bigger picture. Um, yeah. So when you're coaching, you, I don't know, you might, you, you might have worked with the midfielders in training, so your focus might only be on the midfield area. So I thought that the writing is a good opportunity to, first of all, network with other people like yourself. Obviously, I yeah. met you through that, so that was great. Um, yeah. Like some more others as well. I've probably spoke to him a lot more since I got involved in that. But it was also to give me, it was almost to analyse the game, but write about what was happening as well. So yeah, um, I went to in pre-season, I went to Heaven Town, I went to a birdie game as well. And it was nice it was it was quite relaxing to just to sit and not worry and say you know the pressure's on me almost i can i can write at my own pace i can i can almost have free reign of the game i can write what i want um, yeah. and i'm not writing for anybody in particular i'm just writing for me and 
people enjoy it, great. If people don't enjoy it, then then obviously that's that's fine as well. Um, I also did potentially for a couple of months think about a change of career. Um, I did consider going to university and doing a sports journalism degree. Right. Uh, but cost um, missing out on you know money from work was it was just not really worth it because because of the fact that I hadn't established myself in writing at all. I, like you say, in bread and butter, I was coaching. So anyone that knows me knows I'm I'm only going to be involved in coaching. So as, as far as writing goes, I was I was a nobody really. So I just yeah. thought. Initially, when I started it, yeah, this could be a potential career path. But then, as time went on, I just thought I'll do it for the enjoyment. Yeah, and it might be something I can potentially use in, in my coaching, um, coaching development as well. Yeah, I think I think it helps. I mean, I certainly think that it helps in terms of um, it gets you thinking about the way that you kind of communicate things. Because like the way that you're actually writing and the way that people are kind of reading around the game, it just helps you kind of in terms of that clarity. And I guess that'll that'll probably help in your coaching as well. Because obviously, you know, I think. I imagine, I mean, obviously I'm not a qualified coach, but I imagine being a good communicator is probably a, a, a pretty key strength to being a good coach as well. That yeah, massively. Be... It's, um, it sounds, people might laugh at this actually, but what I've found is since I started writing, um, my tweets have become a little bit more professional. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when, I used to, when I used to tweet, I used to tweet absolute rubbish and it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. Now I actually think about my tweets and I just think, well, you know, when I'm writing things, people people want to read things that make sense. Yeah. People want to read things that are interesting. So I, sometimes I think about that when I'm tweeting. Uh, I mean, it could be about com- something completely irrelevant, to be honest, but yeah. I just think massive on spelling as well. So like, if somebody mm. spells something wrong on Twitter, I'm all over it. Like, I'm spelling it. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I found that as well, actually. It's a bit strange that, but tweets yeah. have started to become a little bit more professional as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I find I kind of really get away with spelling mistakes because my wife pulls us up before I publish the articles oh, anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of really get away with that one. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think, um, obviously, when you started writing um, kind of with your kind of Northeast football reports stuff last year, um, you'd obviously attended a few games in pre-season and then kind of early on in the season, and, and then I think you I think you probably found it a little bit difficult with the the kind of balance between that and work and other things, and maybe didn't get to as many games as, as you wanted to. Um, yeah. You obviously then opened up that opportunity to others to kind of contribute to that platform, and that's kind of where I came into it and got in touch. And I think you know a couple of others kind of um, reached out here as well. Um, yeah. Obviously, kind of through the course of the season, um, it got to the stage where at the end of the year, we had a conversation and I've obviously decided to, to kind of go in my own direction and get that experience of doing it my own way. And, and subsequently, I guess, Northeast Football Reports is kind of not really continuing. Do you think that's it now for you for writing? Do you think you've kind of had a go and that, that's it? Or do you think you'll ever kind of think, actually, I'm going to you know, give it another go if you know, time permitting in the future? Uh, I'll probably say yeah, that's probably it for as far as writing goes. Because, like I said, like I said before, I think it, it was almost I was at a crossroads of my career. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and I yeah. potentially thought about changing it. Um, but now I think I've got a little bit more clarity on what the future holds for me, anyway. Yeah. Um, so, as well. So, I think. Now, if I went back into writing, I would just—it would just almost be a distraction. It would yeah. almost be something that is just there on the side, and I'm just—I'm doing it for the sake of doing it, and I wouldn't enjoy it as much. And I don't think the people who were reading it would get as much out of it because I wouldn't be committed to it. Whereas with me coaching, I think I probably um, 
that's that's the the main focus for me now. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, um, you, you've since kind of turned your attentions to uh, doing a little bit of podcasting as well. Um, you've obviously yeah. created a 90th Minute Winner, you know, on your, your second series. Um, how, have you, how have you found that? I guess, you know, that's, that's probably another experience that I imagine in some ways helped you with, with your coaching as well. Uh, how's that been? Yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It's been brilliant. Um, plan was, a bit, before I started podcasting, it was to do a blog a little bit like what you, you did yourself, yeah. Dave. Um, yeah. To do a blog and then it was almost going to be like a coaching journal to to say you know what i've enjoyed coaching this month um anything i've picked out maybe from a professional game premier league game and then put my favorite session of the weekend just as a yeah. diagram um and I, I don't know i just thought it might be a little bit wordy um how can i how can i make things more effective so at the time of starting it there wasn't a great deal of podcasts about yeah. um and I took inspiration from David Lynch, who is head of recruitment at South Shields, actually now. Yeah. And he, but he was working for um, a different, he, he was doing scouting somewhere else at the time. So he actually started that um, sort of journey for me. So I thought I'd get into it. Mm. I didn't know how it would go. Um, but the coronavirus pandemic probably helped because I'd only done three episodes and then yeah. it hit. And then I, I didn't know when I was going to get back into it. Yeah, but then I thought, you know what it is? It's probably it's probably not a bad thing that I do it remotely because I don't have to go anywhere. Um, I can just get in touch with people via Twitter or I can text them or whatever. And obviously, you were you were the first guest on in the in the pandemic. Yeah, um, yeah. and I think it helped because it gave me a little bit more prep time as well. Um, but I've loved it. It's a, a, another another thing. It's an opportunity to to network, uh, learn about other people's journeys. I think it's helped people as well because. It, Tell people talk about things that maybe didn't want to speak to uh, speak about. So Martin Scott, especially, yeah, uh, the second episode in series one, talking about speech impediments in sport, and you know, not a lot of people want to do that. Not not a lot of people want to talk about that. They just want to hide behind it. And I, I've got massive respect for Martin for that, and so I appreciate him coming on. Um, and it's yeah, you know, again, without without the podcast, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to apply for the A license. Yeah, um, one of the lads on the on the podcast has actually got on the A license. He said because of the podcast, I don't know if he's just being too nice there or what, but you know, it's nice of him to say that. Um, but it's also a chance to gain some knowledge from people as well because the, the idea was to try and theme every episode on something different. Yeah. So the lad I've had on uh, this week, Gav, um, works for the Roger Report. So he's, he's a journalist, but you know he's massively passionate about Sunderland. So even though I work for Sunderland, I don't, I don't know a lot about the club. So it was a great opportunity for me to learn a little bit more about the ins and outs of how, how the club works, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I've also got a couple of managers on in the next couple of weeks. So maybe learn about how they work. Um, and it might, again, help my development in the future. I want to go back into men's football. So it's, a, um, it's been a brilliant, a brilliant um, new, new venture for me. Um, again, it's a little bit like the writing. I did say I was going to do two series and then end it. Yeah. Um, Again, it's dependent on what happens with the year license. If I don't get on the year license, then there's potential I might carry it on. Um, but if not, then I don't know if I'll have time to do it. To be honest. Yeah, I mean, I can I can obviously relate to what you were saying as well around the the lockdown. So I know obviously I've just started off with my my podcast during the lockdown as well. Um, I think once we get back to being able to go to to regular matches. Um, I'll probably get back to, to trying to go to a weekly game, probably writing uh, for the most part, and then maybe dropping these podcasts down to once a month. But I think the lockdown has just given us that opportunity to maybe do them a little bit more frequently, get into it and enjoy it. And I think it's it's, it's just been that 
you know, nice alternative to have something to keep focused on. So it's been good. In that yeah, respect. definitely. That, that's definitely what I've found with it. It's, um, it's been a, a nice distraction and, and again, way you mentioned about the lockdown before it's, it's kept me going. It really has. And knowing that I'm going to be talking to a different person every week and learning something new from them every week, it's it's a little, it's been inspiring and it's, it's it's kept me going. It's kept me motivated to get back into it. Really. Yeah. How how um so so obviously you know you're in, on your second series now. Um, you know as, as you'll know, um, kind of once you get into these with the podcasts, you kind of start recording, and I guess the pressure's on to not then drop a clanger midway through and and kind of say something daft uh, how nervous do you get before the podcast do you still kind of get a bit of a nerve um when yeah. you you know when you start doing it or? i think it depends who i've got on to be honest because yeah. the first uh, the first four first five potentially i knew everyone um yeah. so the yeah. first one with johnny given Hayes, i've known him for years and i was face to face yeah. I, I did get nervous in the sense of I, I needed to ask the right questions i didn't want to just ask questions that were just you know yeah. closed questions and just a yes and no I, I wanted yeah. I wanted to I wanted people to expand on their answers and, and again get to know what what they, their experiences were um, I still do get nervous when I'm talking to people I don't know especially when they come on the camera because you, you don't know how, you, how they're going to take it yeah. um, I must admit though everyone I've had on so far and I'm, I've got no doubts that it'll be the same for the people I've got on in the future is that everyone's been absolutely fantastic in terms of guests they've been very very open they've been um very accommodating in terms of what they want to speak about they've you know they've been happy to, to talk about different things it's been it's been brilliant but i, I still do get a butterflies yeah. now and then because again like you said you don't want to drop a clanger and you don't want to you don't want to talk too long for one um, yeah. you don't want to you don't want to ask a question that is maybe going to make some, someone feel uncomfortable yeah. um and like i said you, you want to be you want to be asking questions that people want to want to hear the answers to really yeah i must admit in the in the last episode when i had tommy miller on um i, I probably felt a little bit more nervous in the respect that he's a former sunderland player and i'm you know i used yeah. to have a season ticket at sunderland and i was kind of thinking oh you know i've got this like ex sunderland player on and i was, I was almost like um I don't know why, but in the first, I think it was about the first two minutes, I dropped an absolute clanger, and I probably shouldn't admit it because this has gone out, and I'm not going to say what it was, but it ended up me having to re-record a short section afterwards and piece it together. Right. Um, and, and thankfully, if you've listened to that episode, you can't actually tell from listening to it. So if I hadn't yeah, told you... I can't tell, like... Yeah, so if I hadn't told you... Know, no, I, I didn't hear anything, to be honest, so you did well there, but <laughs> I must admit, there's been a couple of episodes where... I think one episode, someone was moving in next door, so there was drilling for a good half hour, so that was a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. And then another one, uh, the guest who I had on, Ben, whose dog was barking for a good 20 minutes, so that, <laughs> that didn't really help things. So, yeah. as you know, it, it's hard it's hard when that's going on. But I suppose that's the reality, reality of the position we're in, isn't it? So it, you, it you is. can't really... Can't really have a go at anybody for that, can you? Yeah, it probably makes it more authentic with uh, with real yeah. life is at the minute. So, <laughs> um, so I guess you know you're obviously on your second series now. So, um, apart from apart from episode uh, four of series one, which was quite obviously your favourite. Um, <laughs> yeah, aside, aside from that, um, what what would you say has kind of been your your favourite episode so far in terms of one that you feel you've got the most out of or learned something you know particularly out of it difficult question because i don't want to offend anybody um <laughs> yeah i would say probably probably jamie chandler's one um yeah. because even though i've known him for quite a few years he was always the lad who was like 
older than me in school, so yeah. I didn't know what he was like until I saw her um, was older. So as I got to know him a little bit better, um, when we left, when left college and obviously he gave Gateshead and Darlington and stuff, yeah, I learned that he was a, you know, a fantastic lad. Um, so being able to build relationships with him again, and when I asked when I asked him to come on, yeah, it was really really well received in in terms of you know Gateshead Gateshead fans shared it. And Darlow, obviously, the reform now, but Darlow fans, Spennymore fans, yeah, um, they all shared it and stuff, and it was re- really well received. But I just loved, loved reminiscing about times in school, and I uh, loved hearing stories about when he was playing for Gateshead and Darlington and stuff, and saying he didn't want to leave, and he was pretty much made to leave because of money. Yeah, uh, it was really interesting to hear his thoughts on that. But I've enjoyed, I know I see it in every episode. I've enjoyed the conversation, and I, I mean that, you know, sincerely. Yeah. I really do enjoy every conversation I have with with the guests but if you were to put us under pressure and say which one was your favourite yeah. I'd probably say yeah I think I mean there has been I mean obviously listening into your podcast as well there's obviously been a lot of um, very kind of interesting um, guests on there obviously we mentioned about Greg Patterson from the Scottish FA and I, I found that one quite fascinating but you mentioned Martin Scott there as well and and I've never really heard anyone talking about um, speech impediments in sports so that was you know something a bit different so like you say there's something different out of every episode so yeah it's um, it's good it's it's been a been a massive learning curve for me as well yeah yeah. Um, okay. Brilliant. So, just just a few kind of uh, quick fire questions, just to just to wrap things up. Then, um, what would you say has been the highlight of your coaching career to date? I think it would be easy to say winning leagues, but there's two I've picked out. Um, we won the Manchester tournament when I was with the Bolden team. Um, yeah. I think we played six games in the league, and I think we scored two goals, and we still managed to win it because we just didn't concede goals. And it was a really satisfying. Um, Satisfying trip that so that that was my first. Secondly, um, Burley Town beating Chester um, in the Northern League. Yeah, it was a it was a Friday night game. It was obviously a local derby. There was loads of fans there. Yeah, and we worked on counter attacking for a good three weeks in training, and we had about six or seven really really dangerous counter attacks, and we managed to score from one actually, and we finished the game one nil. So it showed that we defended properly. Obviously, then we were dangerous on the counter-attack so I was really really happy with that um, so those two I've picked out as as achievements highlights um, yeah. without winning leagues yeah brilliant um, and who would you say has been the biggest influence that, on your career two, obviously. yeah that too perfect uh, who would you say has been the biggest influence on your career so far yeah sorry sorry about that <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's a, it's a funny one this because again I don't want to offend anybody but I feel like Feel like when you're coaching you need a mentor yeah um, and i don't really feel like i've been given the opportunity to have a mentor for i might get one in the future i don't know but in terms of influences in my career um i would say my family's massively massively yeah. influential they've, they've always i wouldn't say they've ever pushed me to to do things i don't want to do they've always supported me um i include my partner in that as well they've massively supported me and what i want to do and they've, they've always said you know are you, are you sure about this are you sure this is the right thing for you and don't get us wrong, I've made some impulsive, impulsive decisions when it comes to coaching and some of it hasn't came off. But family, um, I've also got some coaches and coach mentors as well. So Lewis Dickman, um, who is now head of coaching at Sunderland. Um, Andy Law, who is now head of, head of academy at Spennymore Town, but was an FA county coach developer. Um, Jamie Wright, who's director at the Foundation of Light. Yeah. Uh, Paul Beat, who was Burton Town manager. And then I've got Rich Shuffleton, who obviously was my tutor on the B licence. But there'll be loads more. 
Um, and I apologise if I've left it out, but I would say <laughs> there was influences, role models in my career. Obviously, yeah. those are the guys that stand out. Excellent. Um, and then the, the the final question I've got for you. Um, so, what advice would you give to anyone kind of looking to get into coaching for the first time? Uh, try different methods until one fits. Um, you know, you don't know who you're going to get as as players. You don't know how your style is going to fit in with with everybody else and the philosophy of a club you're, you're involved in. But I would say try and try different methods until one fits. That's certainly what I did. Yeah. Um, try and work with someone who's got some experience as well. Um, you know, you talk about young coaches trying to let the players play, but you, for me, you've got to work with someone who's experienced. Um, and also with that, find a mentor as well as early as you possibly can. Um, doesn't need to be a mentor that knows anything about football. I would just say, almost like a life coach. Um, yeah. Try and find someone who's going to be there to help you out. And I've tried to do that in the past. I've tried to help out as many people as I possibly can. Um, some people haven't wanted that help, which is fair enough, and totally appreciate that. But if anybody wants any help with coaching or anything like that, I don't know everything. I, you know, that's plainly obvious. But you know, I've been around been around the game for over ten years now, so I've picked up some things yeah. which I can certainly pass on to some people. Those are the two things. Try different methods until one fits, and then obviously find a mentor as well. Perfect. Okay, well, um, all that remains to be said, Scott, is uh, thanks very much for coming on. Um, I've really, really enjoyed the chat and um, ho hopefully, uh, hopefully you haven't found it too bad with a role reversal being a guest. Oh, it's fine. It's been fun. I made plenty of notes beforehand, but I appreciate, <laughs> appreciate asking us on, Dave, to be honest. I hope everyone enjoyed listening. Yeah, likewise. And, and I'll, I'll echo that as well. Um, you know, as always, um, thanks to everybody who, who has listened today. Um, hopefully we are now getting back to some form of normality and I can start writing regular match report from, from now on. Um, if you haven't checked it out, um, I did manage to get to a game um, last week, uh, Durham against Darlington Town, which was a, a nine-goal thriller, so you can read that on the website. Um, it might, with the ever-changing regulation uh, regulations and advice from the FA, it might end up being the only game of pre-season, so there might be a little bit of a wait for the next one. Um, there should be an episode eight announcement coming in the next couple of weeks so keep an eye out for that thanks very much for listening cheers